of love today. We're talking about being fruitful, the fruit of love. Before we dive completely into it, I want to bring back to everyone's mind uh, Salim over in Pakistan. He and his wife, who shepherd, they've got 40 orphans over in the uh, um, Christian colony in Punjab, Pakistan. I think that's how you pronounce it. And, and um, but they, they are connect. I've got connections to him. And if you'll remember, it was about a year and a half ago uh, that we took up an offering right before Christmas to help him out with some food and, and whatnot. And uh, now, you know, keep in mind, I, as a, as pastor, I probably receive anywhere from six to 15 request just from people reaching out from overseas uh, every month, uh, and mainly soliciting funds. And, and uh, you know, you just, as much as you want to help everybody on the planet, you, you know, we just don't have the means and the, and the uh, way to do that. Uh, but he is someone that the Lord had connected me to. Uh, and, and so he, he brought it to my attention. They're having a, a pretty severe winter, very dry uh, winter. And so they are, uh, they have ran out of medication and they've got several kids that have been sick you know, of course the flu bugs kind of going through all uh, their their crowd as well uh, but they've already they've had five that have been diagnosed with uh, typhoid fever uh, which mainly comes from salmonella and stuff like that so um, but it's easily treatable with meds uh, they can't afford meds right now and so the doctors have been just having them eat boiled eggs I don't those of you in the medical practice, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or it's just keep your protein up or I'm, I'm not, I don't know. But anyways, uh, so he, he, he did reach out and I told him that uh, I would present it to you guys. So this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm presenting that need to you today. Uh, if, the, if the Lord does uh, move on you to, uh, we'll take up an offering. Uh, if you want to go online and give at our website, gatheringviridian.org, you can assign it to missions. Uh, and Aaron will be able to look at the date and see this, you know, this date and see that, that you were able to, to give. Uh, I, I, I would love for us just to take up an offering of, of even if it's a couple hundred dollars. $200 goes a long way of U.S. dollars goes a long way over in Pakistan. And uh, so, so we'll do what we can to maybe help uh, provide some needs for medications. If you want to give cash, you can uh, stick it in an envelope, write Pakistan, or hand it directly to Aaron. Let her know it's for the uh, Pakistan for for the meds. So, anyways, just ask the Lord. Now, if you don't feel moved upon to uh, to do this, that's okay. You know, we don't want to twist arms or uh, play guilt trips or anything like that. That's not what this is about. It's just an opportunity to sow some seed, and uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. Amen. All right. So let's get into our lesson. If you remember, we're talking about being fruitful. The very first words that came out of God's mouth that at least are recorded in the word of God is this phrase. It says, Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. And we talked about how fruit, if a tree bears fruit, it's not for the tree. <laughs> the, the tree bears fruit. Everyone else gets to enjoy that fruit. It's not necessarily for the tree, but within that fruit is the ability to replicate itself, to replicate more of the fruit, uh, more of the fruit bearing. And so God's saying, be fruitful. So he designed every single one of you with the ability and with the programming to be productive. Matter of fact, the word 
Fruitful means producing fruit, especially in abundance. So he designed every single one of us with the ability to be a blessing, to produce something in our life that others will benefit from. And not only that, to produce it in a way that it bears seed, it, it can replicate itself. So if he's, so if, if you're going to produce, uh, say, uh, encouragement, that you just got encouragement dripping all off of you, and if folks are around you, they're going to be encouraged. Well, the, the cool thing about that is that fruit will bear seed. It has seed that it can actually replicate itself so that by you encouraging folk, they become encouragers as well. So you get to multiply things. That's a, that's a pretty cool gift. That's a pretty cool superpower. And that was the very first thing that he said. He could have said anything to mankind. But the very first words out of his mouth, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. So as we, we learned last week that that's part of discipleship is being fruitful. I love what Jeremiah says in, in uh, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now, that, that goes back to, you know, you know me, I'm always preaching about faith, right? You got to have faith. You got to have faith. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. That's, we we got to put our hope in him and him alone, right? We can't put our hope in our, in, 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 in our jobs. We can't put our hope in the, you know, some, some kind of future thought that we have or even our savings or the, the stock market or the government or anything. Our hope needs to be in God. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root, roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That's the cool thing about it. If you are trusting God, if you're walking in faith and just standing on the word of God, even in the most difficult times, it's not going to affect how fruitful you can be in your life. How, how much you can bless others. You can be going through one of the greatest trials of your life and still be a blessing to others because you're standing on the word of God. You're just trusting him. You say, Lord, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going through a drought and it's the hot season in my life. It ain't fun, but I'm trusting you. And because of it, you're still bearing Fruit that's not, it's, it won't even cease. Then this brings us to what Jesus said. Uh, and all of, a lot of this we, we covered last week, so I do encourage you to go back into the archives. They're on the website and, and uh, take a look at what we talked about last week, the foundation for the series. John 15 and 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, that you have a lot of fruit. He said, man, when you do that, it glorifies God. Well, that was the very first thing God said. Hey, be fruitful. Bear a lot of fruit. And he says, so you will be my disciples. So at, on our quest to be better disciples, to grow in discipleship, that means we get to be fruitful people. It starts with bearing fruit. By the end of the year, I'm, I'm very uh, excited and curious to see how much fruit we get to see around here from folks being such a blessing in their life. They, they become so blessed. Could you imagine a church full of folk that all they're doing is just blessing each other and blessing everyone who gets around us. And when we leave out of here, and I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning, this is just the pep rally, right? You're, you're supposed to be church when you walk out of here. You take church with you, right? 
So could you imagine just the reputation that we would have? If all people knew is like, man, all I know is that bunch of folk that go down there to gather and you get around them, man, they're going to bless, they're going to bless the socks off of you, man. They're going to, they're going to lift you up. I feel better when I'm hanging out with them. If they find out I got a need, they try to meet it. Man, when I'm discouraged, they, they try to build me up. That's, that's some cool stuff. And he said, and that, that you, you become my disciples when you're like that. So, now Galatians gives us some examples of fruit. Galatians chapter 5, and that's kind of where we camped out last week. Now, at the top of, the, of, uh, of the, the, the top of this chapter, Paul starts talking about walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And he gave, gave an example of what he called the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. We'll start talking about the fruit of the Spirit today. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the works of the flesh. And there were th- he, it, they, they deal everything originally from uh, physical and sexual uh, impurity, you know, uh, adultery, fornication, uh, uncleanness, lewdness. Then it goes into forms of worship, uh, idolatry and sorcery. Then it goes into attitudes. Uh, talked about anger. Uh, wrath, malice, envy, jealousies, uh, uh, outbursts of wrath, all this stuff. Now, the, the works of the flesh, the common thing, and, and it wasn't an exhaustive list because he said, and things like this, right? As he, he said, here's a list of them things, and, and he goes, basically anything that has to do with things like this. What he was trying to get across is this. The works of the flesh are very selfish. They're, they're very self-seeking self-gratifying and you know I deserve this I want this and and it's not that there wouldn't be pleasure the Bible said there's there's pleasure in sin for a season but then comes destruction so hey if you if you want to live according to the works of the flesh yeah you can have a lot of fun for a while but then comes destruction or then comes some translations say but then comes death why because there's no way it's self-seeking there's no way to replicate itself Right? Where, so he calls them the works of the flesh. You consume it, and then it's just done. But then he, he calls it the fruit, in comparison, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and uh, Peter, I'm going to bug you for a second. I want you to come up here and share real quick what you, what you told me after service that God told you. And I told Peter, I said, man, that is good preaching. I'm going to steal it. Come on up here. I said, I'm going to steal it and preach it. And then God said, no, you ain't going to steal it. I gave the revelation to Peter, so he has to say it. <laughs> so, but anyways, this is some good stuff. Go ahead and tell everyone. Hello. Uh, so last week after the, um, when Pastor was preaching, he was talking about fruits and how um, the fruits basically are meant to, like, reproduce. Like, they have seeds in them to reproduce. And I was just there thinking, I was sitting over there, and it just came to me that, well, Man's effort could produce a fruit, but if we know how it goes here, when we engineer our own fruits, they become seedless. And they look like fruits, but they cannot reproduce that godly character in another person. So it's always effort in man, and the more you put effort, it's not the same. Basically, what God was trying to tell me. So. You rely on him to produce the fruit through the Holy Spirit. Actually, there was a, another 
moment he gave me Isaiah, I think it was 60, about the last verse, where he said, you grow in holiness through the spirit from holy to holy to holy. So basically the fruits, if it's of God producing it in you, it will have seed and it will have an impact in somebody else's life to produce another fruit. Amen. I like it. And if it's of the flesh, it can't, it can't reproduce. He told me that. I was like, that's right. It was man that came up with seedless watermelon. Why would you want to eat seedless watermelon? Because that's the only time mama let you spit. It's when you were eating watermelon, man, that was part of the fun. You actually got to spit and you wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, but that's true. When man gets a hold of it, man engineers things that can't reproduce itself. When God makes it, he makes things that reproduces and, and has seed. So that's one reason why he's comparing the works of the flesh. He didn't call them the fruit of the flesh. He said the works of the flesh because it works and then it's done, right? So <laughs> it's all good. Langston's, he's going to be our light engineer one day. When we finally get into a church and we have some lights, he's going he's to help. That's what he's going to do. Amen. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a button, man. Who doesn't like pressing buttons, man? That's good stuff. So here we go. Uh, I had mentioned last week because, because Paul listed out uh, the works of the flesh and he, he insinuated that that was not an exhaustive list. I actually suggested that the fruit of the spirit that he lists out. And we all, those of us who grew up in church, we all memorize these. Uh, it's not necessarily an exhaustive list either. We have an infinite God. And the Holy Spirit that lives in us is an infinite spirit. And so I think there's an infinite amount of ways that he can bear fruit and make you a blessing to somebody else. But I will say this, it's still, I'm, I've been trying to chew on this for most of my life so far, and I still haven't mastered it. So uh, if he adds any more to it, woo, I'm already behind the eight ball on that. So Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22, but the fruit, everyone say fruit. That means it has to be something that blesses someone else. It has to have something that can uh, reproduce itself. The fruit of the Spirit, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living in you, so you have the ability to bear these fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's patient endurance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We just sat there and commended Jamie Sneed on faithfulness. She bore that fruit right in front of us. And we got to benefit. There were a lot of families that have come through here over the last five and a half years that got to benefit from her faithfulness. Gentleness. Uh, some translations say meekness. Self-control. Woo, we could, all of us could use some of that, right? Against such, there is no law. So you could live under the worst tyrant dictatorship. And they're not going to come up with laws to keep you from bearing this kind of fruit. That's pretty powerful that God can put something in us that man can't even legislate away. That's pretty cool stuff. So today we're going to talk about the, the fruit of love. The fruit of love. Now, there's no way we can exhaust that subject in just one lesson, okay? But we're, we're at least going to just talk about it a little bit and let the Holy Spirit uh, let you chew on it the rest of the week. Or as Ryan said, I like to use the term that I've used before, masticate on it. You know what that word is, right? Masticate. It's what cows do. It's called chewing the cud. It's when you, you know, cows, they chew, 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 and then they swallow, and then they burp it all back up. And then they chew on it some more. 
That's what God wants you to do with his word. Chew on it. Think about it. And about the time you think you've got to digest it, he's going to show you more truth. You start meditating on it more. So let's just start with this. First John, if anyone, the, the apostle John, man, he understood love. And uh, he, was, he was the disciple that Jesus did love. And uh, he wrote one of the gospels, and he also wrote some, some of the epistles in the Bible. First John chapter 4. Starting with verse 10, he says, this is real love. If you really want to know what love is. Matter of fact, some of us remember growing up with a song that asked that question, right? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Well, it ain't going to hurt you. This is real love. And all the underlining, that's just my my ad. But but this this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So he's cluing us in what is real love. And he exemplifies God's love. He loved you so much that he sent his son to be a sacrifice to take away your sins. I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't deserve God loving me that much. If you look at the history of my life, I don't deserve his goodness, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. All the way he's blessed me. I, I don't deserve to be in this position. Matter of fact, uh, by, by most religiosity, I, I'm probably the last person that should be standing here preaching and shepherding people. I don't deserve having a wonderful wife and a beautiful family. I don't deserve all that. But yet, because of his love and his goodness and his grace, I have, I am blessed in life. Not because of me, but because of him. He chose to. That's grace. You know? Same thing with all the blessings and the goodness that you guys get to experience and the forgiveness that he's given you through Christ Jesus. The Bible said while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and gave his life for us. So we couldn't even earn it. So in other words, he real love is this. When you choose to love someone who should be unlovable, that's real love. Love... Real love is a choice. One of my favorite poems was uh, by an ancient poet. Since Ryan started us off on poetry today, and actually a very cool concept for a poem. I didn't know where you were going when you were talking about your winter jacket. But I was like, man, that's actually cool. Uh, when he's talking about the buttons and stuff. But one of my favorite poets is a poet named Rumi. And, and one of my favorite poems is this. He says, after all these years, the sun has never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what a love like that can do. It brightens the whole sky. Isn't that awesome? Think about all the eons that the sun has warmed the earth. Even though it doesn't feel like it today. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but after all that, the sun never says, hey, y'all owe me something. No, it just keeps loving. It just keeps loving. That's love. That's, that's, that's our, our bedrock. And that's how we need to function. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Man, if God can love us, and he knows everything about us. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets. He knows our pains. He knows the times that he knows every thought we've had, every foul uh, concept we've let come through our mind, and he still loves us. He said, well, we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. See, that's fruit. 
if we can con finally grasp the concept that he has freely loved us because he chose to love us, and we grow enough to we, where we can love the most unlovable people that are in our personal orbit, he says, then his love is brought to full expression. What, what does that mean? It means that we got to reap the fruit of his love. It had seed, and it sprouted in us to where we start learning to love like him. Now, that's full expression because it's replicated itself, right? And then it hops down further. If you hop down to verse 16, he says, now we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. God is love. Now, when you can love somebody and still not agree with, with them, right? <laughs> so just because God is love doesn't mean he agrees with everything we're doing, but he is love. Say, well, God chooses to love. Well, he is love. That's what he does. He is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Now, this sounds very familiar to how John, the author of this letter, wrote his gospel. You remember last week, we, we learned that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you'll bear lots of fruit, right? Well, he's teaching the same concept. He says, if uh, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. If you're at a place, you say, Pastor, I'm having a really hard time loving a particular person or, or some folk. I'm really struggling with that. Well, he understands, but he's saying just keep living in him because your love will be perfected. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. See, because that's, that's the definition of discipleship. If, if you, the more you become a disciple or a true follower of Christ, that you start living your life like him, your love is going to be perfected. It may not be perfected right here, right now. I get it. Some folks make it hard to love. <laughs> I get it. Some folks say challenge accepted, right? But if you abide in him, if you stay in him, and he said, as a matter of fact, you're, you won't even, you'll start understanding his love so much, you're not going to have to be afraid of the day of judgment. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. When you love to live life free from fear, free from anxiety, free from worry, what's found in love? I'm telling you, love can do far more than what Xanax, Zert, uh, uh, I don't know what all the, Zoloft, Xerox, anything. <laughs> uh, love can do far more. Because love expels fear. When, when you understand his love, you start understanding him. You, you don't have to worry about you know, this whole thing isn't, well, I need to go to church. I need to live right because God's going to get me. No, God's not going to get you. God's not trying to get you. If he was trying to get you, you would have already been God. He's God, right? You can't get away from him. But what he's wanting is a loving relationship. And the more you grow in him, the more you abide in him, the more you start understanding just how much he loves you and just how much you don't have to be afraid of him. And then just how much, man, if I can be loved like that, then everybody deserves to be loved like that. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, 
it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So, so if you're living in fear, uh, you're, under, you're, you're basically saying you're, you're not understanding and experiencing the perfect love of God. So keep staying in him. He'll, he'll get you there. You'll understand it. Verse 19, we love each other because he loved us first. That's the key. Say, so how am I supposed to love this person that seems very unlovable in my life? Because you start focusing on this, he loved us for, he loved me before I was even lovable. He loved me. And if I can hang with him long enough, that seed is going to take and it's going to bear fruit and I'm going to learn how to love. If you're not there yet, it's okay. And I'm not even saying that when you learn to love these folk or this individual, that you're going to become coffee buddies, that you're going to go for pizza, or you're going to like mow each other's lawn or whatever, right? Sometimes you have to love somebody from your home while they're over in their home. I get it, right? Sometimes it's for your own good. You know, if, 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 if I go visit you, and every time I go visit you, your dog bites me, well, after a while, I can still love you. I'll just love you from my home and let, let your bitey dog be over there, right? In other words, if every time you're around somebody, there's damage that takes place, yeah, it's, it's going to be good for you to probably just keep your distance. But you can still learn to love that person, right? Uh, the individual, I think last week I talked about, that there was someone who uh, greatly harmed my family for many years uh, and, and caused severe, severe damage within my family. And I grew to hate this individual. Literally, if there's anyone I ever hated in my life, I hated this individual. And God had to get a hold of me. And, and I finally, I said, how can I let go of it? Now, this individual is actually in prison. We'll, we'll be in prison until, uh, if he survives it, he'll, he'll be in his mid-70s when, when they let him out. And he's, most folks don't last that long in prison. But, uh, you know, so there's not any way for me to sit down and have a relationship, quote, loving relationship, right? So I asked the Lord, how do I do this? And he just told me, he goes, uh, the way he instructed me, he said, until further notice, I want you to get up every morning, I want you to pray three things over this person. Three blessings. And that's what I did. Until my heart began to soften. And until he eventually released me from it. Uh, now this individual, if the Lord brings him back to my mind, I'll, I, I'll pray for him. I wish nothing ill. Uh, I pray for God to keep him safe. While he's serving out his prison sentence, uh, to, to keep him healthy and to, to guard his mind, and uh, that took a it took a while for me to get there, but the seed of love does sprout eventually. God's love is that powerful that it can overcome any grief, any pain, any hurt that you may have. Verse twenty. Everyone still with me? Anyone frozen yet? It's nice and toasty in here. It feels good. If you're, if you're thinking it's hot, just hang on. We're going to kick you out here in a few minutes. You'll, you'll be wanting to get back in here. <laughs> Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. Woohoo! Ouch. Man. Y'all think I'm preaching at y'all half the time. Oh, I'm always preaching to me. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Mm. And he has given us this command 
those who love God must also love their fellow believers, especially the fellow believers, man. And I get it. Just because you go to church and fellowship with someone doesn't mean that everyone's personality is going to match up, you know. Uh, Look, trust me, I've been preaching long enough in my life. There's some folks that think I'm wonderful and a big teddy bear, and then there's other people that think I'm a big jerk. That's just personalities, right? Uh, And same thing with you guys. All of you, I think all you guys are sweethearts. I guarantee I can find somebody on the planet that don't like you. And it's just personality. Not every personality is going to match. So just because you go to church with somebody doesn't mean that, you know, you got to go have a slumber party or something, right? Uh, Well, you manage that. You said, Lord, I love this person. I just can't hang out with them that long. That's all, you know. And y'all know what I'm talking about because y'all have family like that, right? You love your family. You get all excited if they're coming over. But then you're all excited when they're leaving too, you know, right? You'll, you'll cry, you're going to cry at their funeral, but you don't want to go on vacation with them. That's how it is. Well, that's what church is. We're all a big family, and there's going to be some folk like that. It's just personality. It doesn't mean that you don't love them, right? So, so you know, if you're saying, I, I just kind of have problems being around this particular person. Okay, well, then don't be around that person. Hug their neck and then move on, right? You know? But this is a command, and this is why we're talking about it first. It's the first fruit we got to learn to bear. But, man, can you imagine how revolutionary by the end of this year when this fruit has replicated itself so much and we start becoming known as the most loving folk in the whole community? That'd be pretty cool. I'm game for it. Let's do it. So real quick, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 1 through 3, and then we'll hop to verse 8. This is how Paul says, you know, I mean, we can do everything that we want to. We got good music. We got good fellowship. You know, we got a beautiful facility we get to meet in. Uh, you know, we, we got committed people. This is awesome. You know, we're, we're working in October. We're going to celebrate seven years as a church. That's awesome. You know, but if we do all this stuff, all this churchy stuff, and we can't even love, we're wasting our time. And Paul says, he says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of the angels. He's talking about, man, the the gift of tongues, man. Woo, that's real spiritual, right? He says, but I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just making a lot of noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains. Now, that sounds like one of my sermons, right? You got to believe you're going to move that mountain, right? He said, man, if I could do all that, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. I could brag about it. But if I didn't love others, I wouldn't have gained a thing. Then verse 8, he says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge. In other words, all these gifts of the Spirit that are actually meant, by the way, that's what's crazy is the church, by and large, has taken gifts of the people that operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and we glorify those people, and we make celebrities out of them. And yet the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says, are to edify the body. <laughs> it's, you know, when you're being edified, it's the, the food that becomes the, the focus, not the person delivering the food. All y'all came out Tuesday night to eat those enchiladas and tacos and all that stuff, Y'all didn't come out here because, ooh, Pastor Dave's hanging out there. I'm going to go hang out there because Pastor Dave. Y'all came out there because there was food, right? 
that was the star of the night <laughs> was the food, not the prepper, you know. I mean, y'all hugged me and thanked me, but that's how it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. It's what's being edified. Man, that's, that's the, the focus, not on who's delivering, right? He said all these, all these uh, gifts of the Spirit, the special knowledge, all of it will become useless, but love will last forever. In other words, when we cross over, there's not going to be any need for the gifts of the Spirit on the other side. But love's still going to be there because God is love. We'll have a more perfected understanding of it. So if we do anything in this church, let it first start with love. And man, when you operate in love, Paul's right. There is no fear. Or I'm sorry, John. John was right. There is no fear. There's no fear. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. When uh, the, the dinner the other night, um, it took, let me, let me tell you this. This is Aaron and I were doing the math the other day. We fed about 70 people, roughly, right? So let's just go with an even number, 70. I spent just, just over $300. That means it comes out to $4.40 a plate for an all-you-can-eat Mexican buffet better than ponchos. Of course, that's not saying much. It didn't take much to be better than ponchos. Right? But uh, hopefully no owners are watching me. Uh, but but uh, uh, glory to God. I know we love pon- ponchos. has very fond memories of my childhood. But um, anyway, $4.40, that's pretty cool, right? Now, that was uh, like what you guys, and y'all made a big dent in it. We didn't have a whole lot of leftovers. And that was awesome, right? I was worried we were going to have a lot of leftovers. But we didn't. So I was impressed. I was like, man, these are some hungry people. Was, praise God. Uh, that w- what you guys devoured in just over an hour was 10 hours of prep. That's the longest I have. The biggest meal I've ever made in my life. Longest I've ever done food prep in my life. 10 hours worth, right? Five hours the day before, five hours the day of. And when I started, I started realizing how big of a meal this was going to be. And I said, oh, Lord. You instruct me on how to do this. And this is literally what he said. He said, you do it with the fruit of love. He said, you do it in love. And I did. 140 enchiladas. Your mom's going to be proud of me, JJ. His, his mom, Hala, makes incredible enchiladas and tamales, all this stuff. Uh, 100 and, 140 enchiladas. Every one that I rolled up, I was praising God and thanking God for every volunteer. Thank you, Lord, for all these volunteers. The whole day I just spent, had mariachi music playing to put me in the mood and spent, spent the whole day worshiping and thanking God for all the wonderful families, the beautiful families that helped facilitate this church and was rolling them up and didn't feel stressed. There was only two times I felt any type of irritation and it was my fault because I dropped stuff and made a big mess and I didn't, I was like, man, now I got to clean all this up. And, you know, I got over it pretty quick. But otherwise there was no stress there was no uh, fear. It's just I knew, hey, this is all going to get put together, and some folks are going to come have some decent food and have a good time. And that's how it turned out. If we can operate in love, I'm telling you, no matter what you do, if you, if you start allowing the fruit of love to be your motivation. Uh, I just witnessed it in my own life this week. Stress leaves. Anxiety leaves. Fear leaves. You just get a chance to do it, and it's fun. Amen? So I had fun. I hope I don't have to do it again for a while. I was tired afterwards. <laughs> but it was still fun. It was stress-free. So am I operating in love? We're going to end, wrap up. Everyone still with me? All right. How am I operating in love? How, well, here's, here's your test. 
Brother Tokes introduced this to us, and uh, I have been using it daily in my life. Uh-oh, hang on, hang on, here we go, back it up. There we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, they call it the love chapter, uh, and I've replaced the word love with I or I am, because if you're going to operate in love, you need to have the qualities of love or the qualities of God. If you are a Christian, that means you are a little Christ, that you are part of him, right? So every day, uh, this is something, and I go, you, know, you can ask Ryan, we go through this as a staff sometimes in our staff meeting, just to make sure we're operating in love. And, and we can all read it together. You ready? I am patient and kind. I am not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I do not demand my own way. I am not irritable, and I keep no record of being wronged. Ooh, man, we could all just stop right there. I think most of us have failed, including me. <laughs> Verse 6, I do not rejoice about injustice, but I rejoice whenever the truth wins out. I never give up. I never lose faith. I am always hopeful, and I endure through every circumstance. Isn't that powerful? Say, oh, how many, how many of you passed 100%? <laughs> it's powerful. Uh <laughs> How many of you failed at one, at least one, if not more? Hey, your pastor's the first one to hold up his hand. But I daily, this is this is part of my morning prayer time. I'll read that, and and it's powerful, and it gets in you enough that all of a sudden, if I find myself starting to get irritable, this will love is not irritable. Man, I am not irritable. I'm not supposed. To, okay, I'm not operating in love. Or if all of a sudden I start remember if I happen to drive by someone and I'm like, uh, you remember, I don't remember what they said. You, you know what that person said to me last year? Oh, wait. Love doesn't keep any record of wrong. Some of us got to throw away the record book, don't we? But it, also I never give up. Wow. If you feel like giving up this week, if, if you've battled and you felt like giving up, you're not operating in love. Love doesn't get up. I never lose faith. Woo. Love never. I, I, that makes me think of my mom. I never knew that woman to lose her faith. Now, she'd lose her temper. <laughs> but she operated, when it came to her faith, boy, she operated in love. All the way, and she bore the fruit of love. She was on her deathbed her last few days in the hospital. And we all knew, barring some kind of phenomenal miracle, that she only had a few days left. Leukemia, the, the blast had come back, and so her lungs were filling up rapidly with white blood cells, and you know, ultimately it would just uh, suffocate her, right? And she's, she's laying there. It's hard for her to breathe, and they got her medicated. And yet I remember getting off work, rushing up there one night and uh, just to spend time with her, and there was a line of nurses waiting to get in for her to pray for them. So the women that were supposed to be ministering to her, she's ministering to them. And, and she had been counseling with them and ministering to them, and they, they all knew time was precious for her, so they were getting in there trying to get one more prayer, one more prayer. If I get Miss Butler to give me one more prayer. And I thought, look at that fruit. Even when she's about to cross over, and she knew it, and she wasn't afraid. She was looking forward to it. But in her, 
is as if she was saying, hey, I'm, my I'm about to get on the glory train, and it's about to come up. And in the meantime, while I'm waiting, y'all better line up. I'll pray for you. Well, what was that? She never lost her faith. She operated in love. I love that. I'm always hopeful, and I, I endure through every certain. Man, when you operate in love, when you bear the fruit of love, and you're walking in the Spirit, you can endure every circumstance. Let's all, let's all, let's all stand. As the musicians are going to come up, and they're going to, we're going to sing one more time, but let me pray over you. Father, help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to walk and bear the fruit of love this week. It's easier said than done, Lord, because you know how big of knuckleheads we can all be, Lord. So we need the Spirit to overcome our flesh and to teach us to love so that we can walk in faith. We can keep hope alive. We can endure all things. It's hard. But Holy Spirit, that's why we have you to help us and to strengthen us and to empower us. So Lord, I pray for these disciples that are represented here. Let that be the first fruit that starts. we start bearing this week. It's love. Let us operate fully in love through the power of the Holy Spirit and set aside the works of the flesh to live in the Spirit. Amen. If anyone's here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, book of Romans, it makes it really easy. So if you'll just believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you say with your mouth that he is your Lord, that he is your master, that you're saved. So I invite you, believe in your heart with everything you have that he did die for your sins, that he rose again. And then find somebody and just verbalize and say, hey, I made Jesus Christ my master, my Lord, my Savior today. And we'll celebrate with you that you're part of the family. Lord, we love you. Keep everyone safe in this cold weather and this potential potential sleety weather that we may have. And bring us back safely. Help us to be Jesus for someone this week. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all sing together one more time.